Yeah, that's uh, Cadence Weapon. He's a well-known Canadian hip-hop artist. And his song, Connor McDavid, and you may know why he uh, pays tribute to Edmonton's favorite, um, because he grew up in Edmonton. <laughs> so that's why he pays tribute to Connor McDavid in that song. Uh, Cadence Weapon's been around for quite a while, but he did win the Polaris Prize in 2021, which is Canada's uh, Critics Prize for Top Album. It's been run won by Feist, Buffy St. Marie, Arcade Fire, uh, amongst others. So that was a big deal. Um, but he wrote an interesting article this week or recently in Toronto Life magazine that really caught my eye because ever since sort of the height of the pandemic uh, lessened, and live music became an option again. One of the things that I've heard lots of people talk about is either A, how much they were looking forward to going back to seeing live music again, um, or B, how good it felt to be at a concert, whether it was a big one in an arena or a small one in a club or somewhere down to something local and small. People were excited to see live music again. That was one of those things that we really missed while many of us were locked down or kind of locked down, or at least places were closed, or you couldn't attend events of that kind. Um, and it wasn't just big name artists. I mean, I've been to a few big name shows. I've been to a few festival shows. But uh, it was especially the festivals and the smaller venues that I saw people really excited about, because they are really the backbone of the live music experience. It's great to see bands you love in big venues like arenas or stadiums. Uh, but it's not the same as seeing a band that you really love, or maybe a band that you're growing to really love in a small venue where it feels a lot more intimate. But it turns out, according to uh, Cadence Weapon, that you may not be getting as many opportunities to head down to a local club to watch live music these days because bands are scrapping tours due to the high costs and low returns of hitting the road these days. There's a lot of reasons for it. Uh, but again, he felt the need to speak out about what was happening, both on behalf of the musicians and for fans who may not understand what is going on behind the scenes and are also getting upset when shows are being canceled, when bands suddenly decide that uh, being out on the road for either at all or the length of time that they had planned just doesn't make sense and doesn't make dollars and cents either. Uh, Roly Pemberton is Cadence Weapon's Real name. Uh, again, he wrote an article in Toronto Life called Musicians Like Me Can No Longer Afford to Tour. Live music won't survive unless the industry changes. Again, the Edmonton-born hip-hop artist has been performing under the name Cadence Weapon for well over a decade now. It culminated in that 2021 Polaris Prize, the critics' pick for Best Canadian record or album. He's also the author of a book called Bedroom Rapper, Cadence Weapon on Hip-Hop, Resistance, and Surviving the Music Industry. And he joins me now from Hamilton. Thanks so much for your time tonight. Oh, thanks for having me. For um, audiences who may not be familiar with your work, with you, um, you grew up in Edmonton, um, came from a really musical family, and uh, sort of explains a lot of, uh, you have a wide variety of tastes. See, your music reflects it. You have a, a, breadth, a breadth of musical loves, clearly. Yeah, for sure. You know, my dad was a DJ um, for over 20 years on CGSR, college radio, and he was one of the first people to introduce Edmonton to rap music, you know, but he he played everything. He played soul, funk, you know, sometimes he'd play like Jimi Hendrix. He would like open up his show with uh, the 2001 A Space Odyssey theme. Beyond that, you know, my, my mom played piano and my uncle was a jazz musician. So I had a lot of music in my family, for sure. Tell me about being Poet Laureate of Edmonton. That must have been an interesting, even an interesting decision on your part to take up the role. 
being poet laureate of Edmonton, you know, that was a really interesting experience. That was uh, from 2009 to 2011. You know, so I was 23 years old when that first happened. And at the time, I was the youngest poet laureate in the world. And there was a lot of scrutiny on me. The idea of a rapper as a poet wasn't as well known in Canada. And this was before Kendrick Lamar won the Pulitzer Prize. So, you know, there was a lot of uh, resistance to the idea of somebody like me being uh, considered a poet laureate. Yeah, people were even upset when Dylan won the Nobel, right? It was, uh, you know, we've come, we've come a long way in that sense when it comes to what what is what is poetry and what is lyricism, right? Uh, did you find? I mean, you've always clearly had something that you things you'd like to talk about, things you want to talk about. Do you feel like in Canada you've been, have been given the opportunity to talk about the things you feel should be heard? Well, I, I don't know. I don't think I would say I was given the opportunity. I feel like you know I had take to take it. it. Yes, indeed. You know, I feel like, you know, there wasn't really a lane for the kind of music I was making. You know, like I make rap music that has electronic beats that's, you know, I consider it to be kind of outsider music that's influenced by everything from UK grime to, you know, 80s new wave music or whatever. And I feel like there, you know, I've been just kind of like creating my own lane in Canada and hopefully making it easier for the artists who come after me. That's like a big thing for me is to really do everything I can with my platform to make it easier for the artists after me. You tell me about that because, uh, because it will encourage other artists looking out there thinking, I don't fit into a box. How can I be, how can I make this work? Um, it, it must be both a challenge and an inspiration to do what you do. Yeah. You know, it, it is a challenge, but I feel like, you know, you have a huge advantage, you know, when you're doing something that hasn't been done before, you know, it's, it's a totally, open landscape, you know, and I feel like, you know, I, I, I've never wanted to do anything that just sounded like someone else, you know, and I feel like being innovative, being creative is what has given me longevity in music. It, it, uh, the 2021 Polaris prize is, is a big deal. I mean, and, you know, and when I was living in the UK often, you know, the Mercury prize winner was a huge deal. The Polaris prize winner in Canada is a big deal. It's a, it's an honor. You've been nominated quite a few times. I know. Uh, what did that, what was that like for you to, to win it at last? Yeah, it was very meaningful. I mean, particularly for the album, uh, parallel world, you know, where, you know, the songs are about, you know, race and inequality and all these things that have been on my mind and in my life for so long and to have people really respond strongly to it and really resonate with it, you know, it was very meaningful to win for that particular album. And, you know, coming out of, you know, the pandemic, you know, this time where everything stopped and I had to really just take inventory of my life and of my career and to come out with the, uh, you know, the first album to really uh, speak to the pandemic on a large scale in that way in rap, you know, it, it felt really good to win. Yeah. You mentioned at one point that the pandemic gave you an opportunity. It was like being locked in your mom's attic again to <laughs> sort of go up and, and do the writing and sort of, um, and I guess once you'd won, um, it, it would have been important, I imagine, to try and go out on the road and share that music with your fans again in person. Of course. Yeah. I know that was um, one of the first things that we decided was, you know, I, I went on tour two days after I won Polaris. That's remarkable. That's uh, it was. But you've talked about this, and this is where we were going. Um, it's become a real challenge. I mean, this was this would have been where one would have thought it at being sort of a a crowning moment where you take the win, head out on the road, and basically it's a celebration, right? Uh, but it was quite different. It, you found a very different world out there for the touring artist. 
Yeah, you know, I mean, I think the the issues that I found, you know, touring is always hard. You know, as a musician, it's always a very challenging experience. It's like mentally, physically, and financially stressful. You know, it's very unpredictable. That's one of the things about it is that, you know, there's some things you can do to predict things like, oh, look at pre-sale tickets or whatever. And these are tried and true ways of understanding whether you're going to have a good tour or not. But coming out of COVID, it was a situation where, you know, I, I was touring the States. And so, you know, you have a good show there, you have a bad show there. Um, but then you have to deal with, okay, I got to get PCR tests. I got to, you know, I have all these expenses that I had before, but everything's more expensive, you know, like gas and food and flights and hotels and everything is going up, but my fees are staying the same, you know? And so it was just an experience where I, you know, it, it, it was pretty similar to previous tours, but you know, I would say that's where that I did in 2021. I couldn't have done it this year because things have gotten even worse since then. Yeah. And you felt the need to write about it, which is always interesting because what motivates people to speak out is always fascinating. But that's a problem. I mean, if we stop seeing people such as yourself performing, it really robs everybody of something important, I think. Yeah, definitely. I think we lose a lot um, as a culture, you know, when, when you don't have... You know, local shows, you don't have mid-sized bands coming to town. You don't have that musical identity in your system, city, and you don't have a strong musical ecosystem. You you risk losing your cultural identity as a city, for sure. You know, um, I definitely feel like, you know, uh, a lot has to change. That was the reason why I decided to write the piece that I did for Toronto Life was basically, um, I feel like I hadn't really seen something from an artist's perspective who's actually gone on these tours and who has been on the front lines and seen how things have changed. And I really wanted to just speak up for my fellow artists, but also younger artists so that there's going to be a future for them to be able to get out on the road and develop their careers the way that, you know, the people before me could. Feels like some of the inequalities we saw highlighted during the height of the pandemic society at large, we're really seeing them in the music industry now where, you know, all the spoils go to a select few and a lot of the rest of the artists are kind of left struggling not only to get their music out there, but also to be seen uh, performing, as you were mentioning in the article. Yeah, definitely. You know, I, I think what we're having here is it's, it's a confluence of a few factors all coming together that are really bad for developing early artists and mid career artists as well you know like um a thing that you're seeing now is you know venues and promoters they haven't done anything to improve uh health and safety at all since the pandemic began you know and i've seen it a few times where one positive case can sink an entire tour you know it can and it can mean you know a total financial collapse you know it's you you end up losing all these flights and hotels and you you don't get that money back you know, we're we're dealing with inflation on a huge scale for everything that all of our expenses, you know, and I feel like artists, they're often the the canary in the coal mine, you know, um, in culture where, you know, when you can't afford food as much, you know, entertainment is usually the first thing to go. And uh, artists are suffering all all around the world. Just from the, the article that I wrote, I've been getting such a vast response you know it, it's really resonating with a lot of people all kinds of bands but also music fans and i think the thing that's really hitting people is there's a lot that people don't understand about the music industry and about the live music industry such as you know how how little streaming income we make you know it's like 0 0.00318 
cents, you know, per stream on Spotify in Canada. Yeah. You know, I don't think your average person really knows that. They just know that they get any song that they want um, at any second, you know, for a monthly fee. People don't think about where that money actually goes. Um, I don't think people understand, you know, how how expensive it is to go on tour. Like your average tour, if you're going for like three weeks, it can be anything from 60000 to $100,000, depending on, you know, if you have a tour manager, if you're got a tour bus if you got a van if you got need work visas because you're playing in the states if you've got backing musicians lighting sound technicians you know there's so many expenses and hopefully you know you can break even but now with inflation going up it's a situation where you know it's not even worth it to go on tour because there's no way you're going to make the money back yeah you you were mentioning in that article that you lost money i mean you'd come off a polaris prize win and you lost money on that tour and that's that that must be i mean yeah, it must be defeating in some ways to 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 realize what you're up against in that sense. Oh yeah, no, it's hard. I mean, I mean, I should clarify that that tour is a U.S. tour. I'm a Canadian artist, right? Right. So right. it's like a really different touring situation there. You know, like I I just came off of like having a really successful summer of festivals. You know right. that I think that's really where a lot of musicians are going to go. You're not going to see you know your favorite you know band from another country playing in a local club going forward you're going to be seeing them on festival bills where it's a bunch of bands and there's a lot less risk for the individual bands but the way when i and i was mentioning to you before we started this that my dad was a booking agent when i was a kid so i have some understanding of how that works um it feels like what's happened is that with less and less money to go around that it's actually the artists getting squeezed out here and and if the artists get squeezed out then there's nothing left right i mean the whole thing falls apart if you don't have i mean i guess people will always want to perform and want to perform their music but it feels like if you, if you can't make a living doing it then we're going to lose something absolutely you know and that's why i think it's so important that we reform the music industry because the way it is now is not working and is not sustainable going forward you know I really think there needs to be more of a focus on safety and venues. I think that's a big thing where there needs to be like higher air filtration standards, like the same way that you have to have a certain decibel level that you have to be below. There should be air filtration standards at every venue. Um, I think, you know, one of the worst things is festivals and venues. They all, uh, a lot of them charge 25% and that they take from our merch sales. Right. From from all the records and shirts and everything that we sell, we for festivals, we often have to give 25 percent. And, you know, that's something if we could get rid of that, that would be immediate relief for every musician. You know, I, there's so many things in the music industry that I think your average fan doesn't realize comes out of the artist's pay. You know, like you can be playing at a club and they charge you for the security. Sometimes they'll charge you for you know renting the room they'll charge you they'll take all the alcohol sales but then they'll take a cut of your merch you know it's it's this is really just a workers rights issue you know yeah. and it's and it's the same as any other industry that was affected by covid-19 where the workers are being exploited and are not being protected that there was a situation whereby they could where the, the the balance of power shifted, right, and 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 we see what's happened. What can, the difference though here is that fans can support their favorite artists in ways that in other industries the average person can't as easily. What would you like? What do you what do you recommend that fans do to try to improve the situation for artists such as yourself? There's a few things you can do. I mean, I think the number one thing is you know if you see 
an artist that you really like coming to town, make sure you buy a pre-sale ticket. You know, it sends a signal to promoters, venues, and booking agencies that the show should still happen because a lot of people are canceling shows because of low ticket sales. Um, buy music directly from artists, if you can, at shows, on their Bandcamp pages, or on their websites. And I think another thing that would be really helpful is that if you could reach out to festivals and venues and tell them to not take 25% of the merch sales, you know, and I'm working on that. I've got a few, you know, initiatives that I'm looking into now about making that become a thing of the past. And part of the inspiration too for your article, I know, was that a lot of fan anger over bands canceling when they realized that it just didn't make sense to go out on the road or at least not to do as extensive a tour as they had planned. Yeah, you know, and that's the other thing is really just um, don't be mad if you see one of your favorite bands has to cancel a show because there's usually a lot more behind that decision than you realize. What next for you? What uh, you, the Polaris Prize was the last time out. You have the book written. You've you're, you continue to write stuff and speak out. What uh, what's what's in your plans? Well, you know, I'm just doing my thing. I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm working on another album. I'm pretty far into another album, which it'll come out next year. And I'm I'm working on a, another book as well. Oh, fantastic! Well, well, we'll look forward to seeing all of it. Uh, uh, Raleigh, thank you so much for your. Uh, or, <laughs> I'm going to do this again. Raleigh, thank you so much for your time today. It's uh, much appreciated. Yeah, thanks for having me.